Before I start, thank you for listening. This is the Ignition Podcast. Get ready to fuel your passion for cars and motorsport every Monday and Thursday. We bring you stories, valuable career tips and tricks that will help you navigate the automotive world. So don't miss out. Follow the Ignition Podcast now and join the drive towards becoming the number one automotive podcast worldwide. Let's embark on this thrilling journey together. Enjoy the episode. What's the worst that can happen? If, if somebody is not dying dead or terminally ill, I honestly don't care. A-levels, but I literally missed one of my economics exams. If you're so focused in doing your work and trying to achieve something, that takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort. You need to do things that other people are not willing to do. It's just trying different things and not to be scared to try things that people in the industry haven't done. And it's very easy to get complacent. Every now and again, I have to like step outside of what I'm doing just look at it from an outside perspective and say, yes, this is like pretty awesome. Of my time, I get to build cars that kids build in Need for Speed by doing it in real life. So I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't really change anything because everything I've done, good, bad, has led me to exactly where I need to be. Anyway. Anyway. Thanks for the podcast. Um, the first question I ask is, what ignited your passion for cars? It must have started from when I was really young. I think my father was always into cars. Um, I think I probably got a lot of it from him, but there's pictures of me um, on toy cars, pushing them around. My mum said I used to turn them upside down and pretend I was working on them. <laughs> it just spread from there. Then I used to read my dad's car magazines. Um, I would literally memorise them from cover to cover you know all the stats of the cars so I think it's always been there I've always had toy cars so it just grew from me being a child and playing with cars and it's just carried on with me throughout my life it's very similar to me when I was a kid you know creating stories of the cars in your head you you travel I don't know if you did I I travel from one place to another pick people up you know go to a car meet I love imaginary car meet at a car park yeah well the car meets didn't exist when I was a child so I I don't know what I used to play I think I used to race them and play about racing yeah Yeah. what was that I mean what was that relationship like with people around you then like when you be being a car enthusiast at school friends family like what was that like yeah so car enthusiasts what you find is when you get out into the open world like forums and Instagram yes you find a lot of people that are similar to yourselves but Mm. when I was in school maybe in my class there was a handful maybe one or two people that were really into cars but then we became more friendly because of that and in the whole school you know there there was a a small group of people really really into cars and knew what they were and you could have those conversations with but as you get older you you kind of gravitate towards those people Mm. a little bit more um, especially when you buy a car and you become part of that community, then you realise there's a lot more people yeah. out there. And the internet's just obviously 10x that or 100x that. Yeah, it's amazing. But then there's the other side of that as well, where people like people that you know are at school now that struggle socially because of social media. And it's like yeah. I ask that question because it's like, how did you like? I use the word spark connection with them, uh, the people around you. That how do you find out they like cars? I think that just comes from speaking to people and you find out what they've been doing. I think a lot of the time is if there are people into F1, yeah. what kind of magazines they're reading. It's just, I think it's just naturally something that flows. We didn't have social media when I was in school, so we never had that problem. If you wanted to speak to somebody or get to know someone, you had to speak to them. And you know, the only way you'd get to know someone is by having conversations about yeah. lots of different things. No. I mean, what was that like for you? I mean, outside of cars, I'm just interested in sort of like your family, I bring in just an idea of like how you are, who you are today. So like, what was your relationship with your, like your dad, your mum, your siblings, if you had them? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was really good. I can't complain. My mum is a traditional mum. She looked after the household. She did everything for us. She did as much as she 
could. She's a great cook, which is really good. I still love her food to this day. But she is as mum as a mum can be, like full, full of love, just looking after you as as a child, even to this day. Um, my father was um, he was a professional, so he was an engineer. He worked for British Aerospace from the time he graduated when he was twenty one to the day he retired. So he was uh, an engineer first, then a project manager. And I've always got on pretty well with him. When I was younger, he was busy with work and stuff. So I don't remember actually seeing him that much. But as I grew into an adult, we, our relationship got a lot better. So I never had any issues with yeah. him as such, but we just became closer as I became an adult. Maybe he had issues related to a sm- smaller child, if that made sense. But when I could speak to him on his level, he was slightly yeah. different. That's yeah, again, I have a sister. We got on pretty well when we were younger we didn't we used to bicker just of like course, yeah. siblings do um but again as we've grown older we, we've got a pretty good relationship no it's nice to hear because the only reason i ask that is that like, i speak to different people and try to find out you know why they do it today and so like finding out you know who you are earlier on kind of gives me an idea of the person you are now and it sounds like you know not having your dad as a role model work quite a lot maybe you know as you do now you own quite a lot of companies you invested in quite your time is invested in a lot of places yeah so maybe that could be a collection just trying to think of you know how you get to one now yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say that my childhood was pretty easy. I yeah. didn't want for anything. We weren't like what would you would class as wealthy, but we weren't without. He, I would say, we were lower middle class, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I didn't have to. We didn't struggle. We we were we were fairly comfortable. But I was always driven to do more. So in my family, everyone's a professional. No one really had a business. Yeah. Prior to myself, um, so everyone's like a lawyer, you know, accountant engineer that you know t- traditional go to university get a career stay yeah. in the career um and originally my plan was to become a lawyer and that's why i did a law degree but then after a while i just realized that wasn't for me and i always knew i wanted to have some kind of business i didn't know what yeah it was and i was just fortunate and stubborn enough to merge my hobby and my passion for business and m- make them into something that, that i'm still doing today yeah and what was that thing that made you go actually you know i don't want to be a lawyer anymore because that's the thing that maybe we ignore because I, mean, I, I did it I, I mean I, I'm only 22 but I was working hospitality and I just got to the point where I just had enough of you know working for the people like it was just like it's great I love people I love talking to them but it comes very transactional and you, you know you, you just don't feel the kind of person that you want to be and mm. so like for me like going actually you know why not just try it the worst thing that happens is you know you go back to the job yeah but so what was that thing for you then that made you go I want to change I started how did that, I'm trying to go back to how that actually started. Okay, it started by, I had a uh, BMW M Coupe mm. and I was doing modifications on that car and I was very methodical in the way I would test products. I didn't believe anyone when they said, okay, that product adds this much power, that much power. I wanted to find out for myself. Yeah. So I would buy, for example, an air intake. I would take it to the local dyno. I would dyno it, see if it worked, if it didn't work. Um, and then I just found a group of three products that worked really well. And actually each one of them had a distinct benefit on yeah. that car. And then I would go to races they were held on airstrips. And then I would essentially beat the established tuners of the time on, oh, on wow. those trips. Yeah. And then I had people in that community asking me if I could do the same thing on their car. Um, and I would take their car, give it to my friend who was a mechanic, kind of act as a middleman. Mm. So I would get the requirements, buy the parts, get my friend to fit them. He would charge me X amount, I would charge customer Y amount. And I did that a couple of times. I thought, I think I can make yeah. something out of this. And the business actually started from just having a web shop. 
It's a very basic web shop. I think it was built on something called OS Cart back in the day, long, long time ago. And the web shop started while I was still in my uh, full-time job. Yeah. And it got to a point about a year in where I thought, I think I need to make a proper go of this. And at this stage of my life, I think I was 29. Um, I just got married. Um, and I thought, this is probably the time to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it any yeah. other time. So it's it's like you at that point, I had that mentality of what's the worst that can happen. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's exactly. It's, you know, it's, you, you go back and get a regular job. Like, you know, yeah, the correct. world's not yeah, going to yeah, fall yeah. apart. I, I haven't lost my degree. I haven't lost all that experience <laughs> exactly, yeah. that I've built up. So I could always go, go back if I had to. But yeah. then once I started, I just knew I could never go back. Yeah. So what, I mean, what was it, the, the things you enjoyed the most at the beginning of starting the business, growing the business? What were the things that you really like, you know, clung to? I like this. Um, it was the, initially it was the interaction with people, with the customers, finding out what the needs were, fulfilling those with the correct parts, giving mm. them the right advice. It was just really exciting to see something I was passionate about and I could share that passion with other people and then actually create a business out yeah. of it. Creating the brand was, was amazing as well because Although my background is in law, I did actually work in PR and marketing for a couple of years in between doing my degree and then doing my legal practice course. Yeah. And I learned so much in that two or three years that that still stuck with me today. Um, so when I came into this industry, I saw a lot of people weren't doing things properly. They weren't even taking proper pictures. Yeah. They didn't have videos of the product. And it was all a bit... I think it stems from the fact that most of these businesses were mechanics yeah, and then they became performance shops and then internet came along. So they were very old school and did things in a very different way. Whereas I came from completely outside of the industry. I'm not a mechanic. Um, I'm a marketer, a salesperson. So I saw it from the top down yeah. view the other side of the and funnel. I worked the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting though, isn't it? It says that, it's that um, I don't know what it's called. I think it's river hopping or something. And it's looking at a certain aspect of a, a job or a business and be like pretending like how would, you know, how would a high performance athlete a, approach this or, yeah. How, yeah, and that's, that's the kind of what you've done is you've gone from a PR point of view and looked at a business and gone, right, how can I sell car parts? You're not a mechanic selling car parts, but you're a PR agent selling car parts. Essentially. And yeah. to this day, and I say this a lot, we are actually a marketing company who just happens to be able to make really good car parts. Yeah. And you mean, you don't find those car parts without, you know, you know, testing, you see, like, you don't, you've done the effort, you put the hard work in. Yeah, so initially it started off with us using other people's parts. You don't have the resources, you don't have the knowledge, skill, how, you don't have the network of people. And then what happened, what drove me to start developing our own parts was when an established company would come to us because they saw our expertise in marketing the product and getting it in yeah. to the market itself, they would say, okay, can you launch this product for us or can you write about it, do a review? And then other people would essentially get all the sales because they'd just undercut you on yeah. the price. And I just got fed up with doing the hard work, launching the product, and then not seeing all the benefit yeah. from it. And at that point, I was like, well, we need to make our own branded product so we have full control of the profit that's generated from our hard work and our positioning in this space. And that's how we started to essentially first because Evolve started 2007 we started to make Evolve branded mm. parts like downpipes for Mini uh, R56 so I approached Janspeed who are a very old yeah. exhaust company and I said look I'm looking to develop my own range of exhaust so we worked with them to develop our own range of Evolve by Janspeed 
exhaust. That's where it started. Then I went to a company called Radtech and we developed an intercooler. So it kind of started with me approaching companies who weren't really known in those particular tuning circles, but I knew made good products. Yeah. Um, and they weren't great at marketing, but they were happy just to make the product uh, with us, give, give it to us, and it's our branded product. And there, then when we did the marketing, we launched those products into the, the marketplace. They were ours, so it wasn't a matter of competing with everyone on price for the same brands. Yeah. It was, okay, we've done the hard work, we've put it in, we've shown the testing, and now we can reap all the benefit from the profit of yeah. those products. It sounds very like this is a, it sounds like a lot of work to be honest. It does sound, it sounds like very sort of you know it sounds very logical. You take logical steps, but yeah. I'm just thinking the person listening to this that maybe you know wants to start their own business or they have a particular part about a car they love and they're like, how can I do that? But before we talk about that, I want to talk about mental health of this right. Like how how did you, you know how, what was this like for you? Like was it um, hard? Was it quite easy? Like what was your? It was it was stressful uh, when I first started the business. Um, as I said, I just got married and then I had my first kid very quickly and we got our first house wow so we went from dual income to having basically no income having a kid and having a mortgage all in one go yeah so it was difficult in the sense of i was providing and able to provide for my family to gain not really being able to provide from so we had to cut back a lot in terms of mental health I would say that I'm really fortunate. I don't know why, but I've got a very resilient mindset and mm. I kind of always have. And again, I think for me, it always comes down to saying, what's the worst that can happen? If if somebody is not dying dead or terminally ill, I honestly don't care yeah, about the, about what happens because everything, everything else is, it's not going to matter next week or two weeks, three weeks. You do something or something happens or something bad happens in the business yes at that time you feel like it's the end of the world but it's not and people forget there's so much stuff going on now that if it's not life or death situation honestly it just doesn't bother me and is this for meditation like what is this because i mean it sounds like you're very able to clear your mind quite quickly if that makes sense it's just something i developed myself i just learned I think I read something, I can't remember where it was, but it was basically advice from an old man to, to a young person. And it said something about there's no point worrying about anything because worrying doesn't help the situation. Yeah. And I kind of took that as a mantra and I've always been using it and obviously I've developed it myself a little bit. But I'm 46 years old now, obviously I've had lots of different experiences in my life. And at the end of the day, when you think about something really bad that's happened, what's been the consequence yeah. of that? in a year, in a two years time, if you keep dwelling on it, it's going to just eat you away. If you just carry on moving forward, you forget about it and you can look back at it and think, okay, it wasn't that bad. I'll give you an example. When I was doing my A-levels, I don't know how this happened, but I literally missed one of my economics exams. It was the third one. I don't know. I put it in the wrong place in my diary. I'd gone out shopping with my mom that morning and I got back and the phone, house phone rang. This was before mobile phones. And they said, you're meant to be in an exam. Where are you? You know, where are you? I go, that's not today. That's tomorrow. Oh. And they're like, no, it's, it was today. Like it's been going for an hour. So I went to college and I said, look, I didn't know it was today. I don't know how I've messed this up. They said, look, you can sit the exam, but we got no guarantee that your exam paper is going to be taken. That's terrifying. Into con- yeah, into consideration. Imagine like 19 years old, about to go to university. 
18, sorry. Um, so I sat it anyway in half the time. I completed it. And up until sort of, you know, while this was happening and the results coming out, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. I had a really good relationship with my economics teacher and he knew people on the exam board and he got them to accept wow. the paper, even though I was that late. But can you imagine as an 18 year old, like going yeah. through that? So I had that. And I would say for an 18 year old, that's pretty most traumatic experience because you think that's your whole life. That's your future. Yeah. But yeah, I got the results I needed. I got into university. I wanted to. But that taught me that at the end of the day, there's no point. Whatever's Once you've done something, you've done it. Yeah. There's no point dwelling on it. The only thing you can focus on is the solutions, alternatives. And that's still true to this day. So when something goes wrong, I don't think about... You think about it for a little while. Okay, that's gone wrong. Yeah. Okay. First thing is what can we do to resolve this situation? You try your best... You leverage everything you can, resources, network, whatever, to m resolve that issue. If you can't resolve it, you've done the best of your ability to resolve it. So that you can't do any more than that. Yeah. And then after the dust settles, you look and you say, okay, what can I do to prevent that from happening again, if possible? Yeah, well, it's just learning from past experience, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, you learn from one past experience, but then it is having that mindset of what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Is anybody dead? Is anybody dying? Is anybody telling me? Because you can't really do much about that. I mean, you can try, but if it's none of that, then I don't really care. It's just interesting because it's like you imagine most 18 year olds wouldn't care if they miss an exam, but you know, for you, it quite meant a lot. You know, you probably put a lot of work into it. You yes. want to get to university. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it does feel like your whole world's falling apart because I know for me, like, I. I wanted to do a Jaguar Land Rover degree apprenticeship. That was my thing. And I was like, I'm going to get this apprenticeship. And I remember going into A-level results day and them handing me that envelope and that envelope was one letter off what it needed to be. Yeah. And so I was, your whole world falls into, you know, what do I do now? Worrying about things. And you just go, right, okay. I did, what was the next thing I could do? And it was yeah. just, you know, find another job mm -hmm. or take some time to think about what you want to do. And it's like, it's not the end of the world. Like someone's going to know someone and you're better off. Like if someone told me that, just start speaking to people and learn how they did it. And that's, I guess, how this podcast started. But, I mean, for you, like, you've, you've learned all this and you're, you're growing a business to a point where it's doing, you know, you're getting repeat business, I'm guessing. You, you maybe, hit, maybe hit a wall. What's your advice for people that are hitting a wall and can't grow past that? I would say find a mentor, find someone who's gone past that wall and ask them how they did it. <laughs> I didn't have any of that um, because I never, I wish I did have, I've, I've, I mentor some people now. So I know how it works from that end. Yeah. But when I started a business, I didn't really have a mentor. I went through my business life making mistakes and then correcting them. But I've always been really interested in knowing how things work. I've always been good at reading books. So for me, I just switched what I was reading and I learned from business books, from YouTube videos, from now podcasts. And I still do to this day because yeah. I love refining that, that process. In terms of hitting a wall, I mean, a mentor would be the shortcut way. Um, anything else is like it's just trying different things and not to be scared to try things that people in the industry haven't done have a look at people from other industries like not necessarily related to yours because they could be doing something in a completely different way that someone in your industry is not even yeah. even thought about when we talk about marketing in, in the automotive um, aftermarket space I said no one was doing it properly it, people have only caught up recently we've been taking like really good images and making instructional videos and showing sound clips for a very long time. But we've just refined that process so well now that 
it's still quite a way ahead of what other people are still doing. Some people still don't even have a YouTube channel, which I don't understand. Yeah. Because if you're in this business, any business, people love to see the process of how the part they got or what service you offer. They want to see the nuts and bolts. They want to see behind the scenes because that just gives them more confidence in what you're, mm. what you're offering. Um, so yeah, I don't, for someone who's stuck, yeah, you really need to look at what you, what, what level you've got to, why do you think it's stuck? Find a mentor, see if you, they can get you past that. But if there's things that are obvious yeah. that you're not doing, like for example, social media and YouTube and things like that, just start, start to do that. Yeah. Film yourself or just take a picture of something. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have just, to be perfect. You just yeah. have to start. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for you then, who mentors you now? I'm interested in the people that, you know, you ask advice for. I I don't have a mentor as such. I have people who I would say are much more advanced than me in terms of business. Like they've scaled businesses and sold them for hundreds of millions of pounds. And so I try and find people who are well, well ahead of what anything I've done. And I speak to them about certain points. And mostly it's been around where we've had to make big decisions in terms of investments to grow the business like when we moved into this place this was seven times larger than our old place the rent was i don't know maybe five or six times more and that was a really big step and we ummed and ahed about it for a while and but everyone i I spoke to two or three people and they just said you just have to do it you'll you'll find once you move in you will fill the space up and like they were right within six months it was just (laughs) <laughs> small, yeah. oh build it as the best building there will come i guess is the, yes i think yeah. that that is the quote but um the people i i i would say i take advice from they're not publicly known so i don't want to say no, exactly yeah. who they wasn't are wasn't looking for names yeah, but like, not, not, not names but they, they, there's no one that you would yeah know. No. and they they are actually behind the scenes people they don't they don't even have no. s- s- their own personal social media if that makes sense their businesses might have but but they don't have it. No, interesting. And it's just because I mean, it must be a point now where you're, you know, the, the business must run itself at this point. Like, yeah, 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 pretty much. I mean, my main role is thinking about new products to develop, uh, the marketing strategies, and then being featured in a lot of the YouTube videos. But my texts now are starting to come in the videos a little bit more, so I can, I don't have to be in every one, which helps a lot because I do travel a lot for mm. for work, meeting distributors, and going to international shows. So that relieves a lot of pressure off me so before i started youtube i got to the stage where i was very hands-off on the evolve side of the business and then we started the youtube channel and i was like just sucked myself back into the, into the business oh, but it must be nice be... to film me back filming cars so they must really enjoy that it must be great i mean you have to be you know what happens is you could do something that you really love and you keep doing it for years and years and years i've been in this business 17 years and it's very easy to get complacent but every now and again i have to like step outside of what i'm doing and just look at it from an outside perspective and say, yes, this is like pretty awesome. Mm. But yeah, it's very easy to fall into that trap. But you have to, don't get me wrong, it is work. And sometimes like I do crazy hours much. If we need to film something, we need to get it done. We only got that car for a certain amount of time. The lights only around. We will do whatever it needs to be done to get that piece of content because we know how important it is. But what's the quote? Um, you can have everything you want. No, you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything you want. Yeah. So something's always going to get sacrificed along yeah. the way, whether that's personal relationship, whether that's money, whatever, whatever you call it. Yeah. I mean, and for you, like, what is what are the things that I guess that you sacrificed that maybe people people might need to be aware of the things that you know you don't uh, see? I I would say family time. That's the biggest one. Yeah. 
And is, it, is that? I mean, are you, are you looking at that now? Are you trying to fix it now? Or you, you made, made, you know, made I an can't, agreement? I can't fix it. Um, but I would say I have a good relationship with my children. I don't think they've... I've probably spent more time with my kids than my father spent with me. Not saying anything derogatory about him. But I've always been conscious of that. Mm. So I don't know which yardstick to measure that by. But I just, if you asked me, that's what I would, I would say. But I still, I, I mean, I'm lucky because of the role I have. I can still have, I have breakfast with them most days. Yeah. Like I don't leave home until they've gone to school. And I don't think many people can do that. I, I certainly didn't have that growing up. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's just that I might, So, so although yeah. I'm away a lot and, and whatever, when I am home, which is, you know, I probably, in a year, I'm probably, the most I've been away is three months in total. If yep. you added it all up. But when I am home, Monday to Friday, I'm having, like, most days I will have breakfast with them before I leave. I schedule my meetings for 9.30 or 10. Yeah. Yeah, so people at work, they know I'm not here until, like, at least just after 9 o'clock. That's just saying boundaries. Yeah, and, unless yeah. unless I have to be. Unless there's something particularly going on. So, I mean, I think that's quite flexible. Um, before, up until two or three years ago, I was taking, when I'm around, I was taking them to school every day. So I was doing a school run. Hmm. So, and I know my friends that do like nine to five jobs that work in the city, they don't get that because they have to leave home at six yeah. o'clock and then they get home at seven o'clock. So I know at least I've seen my kids and spent time with them in the morning. My son's now 14 years old. So uh, he likes to come to the car meets with me. So if on Sunday we're going to like a cars and coffee or something, he'll, yeah. he'll come along during the school holidays. I will make sure I take one day off every week just to like, go and do something with them. So I'll just say, what do you want to do? And we'll go out, spend the day together. That's great. So right. I tried, as far as I know, I try and balance it out. But I would say, yeah, that time. But if you ask me then, if I wasn't doing doing my work, would I be spending all that time with my family? I, d- I can't really answer that question. Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair enough. It's just, just interesting. Like, we, we, I would say so, it really is relationships. Yeah. Because if, you, if you're so focused in doing your work and trying to achieve something, that's not... That takes a lot of time. takes a lot of effort. You need to do things that other people are not mm. willing to do. And if someone wants to only work a nine to five and spend the rest of the time with their family, that if that's what you want, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. But if you also want a successful business, I don't think you can do both. I don't think you can have a strict nine to five lifestyle and achieve huge things. I don't, just don't think it's possible. But... If that's the balance you want, that's absolutely fine. That's what that person that's, wants. There's yeah. nothing wrong with yeah. that. Not everyone wants to be successful and wants to work crazy hours and, you know, be the last person in the chain when things go wrong because that's a big responsibility. Yeah, well, you guess you are. You're putting all your time and effort into, you know, multiple relationships with his business, with his family. And it's, I just want to, I'm interested, you, your son, um, is he... Is he BMW mad or is, that, is he book cars does he go for? Um, he, he loves, he likes BMWs yeah. because obviously he's been around them uh, Just for wondering, yeah. uh, a lot. But he's actually in, like really into JDM cars, like oh, old cool. old stuff like Evo 6s and Toyota Supras and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So he's quite mixed. And have you thought about him? Is, 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 I mean, how old is he? 14. 14. Is, has he shown any interest in like joining you in the business? or like following Yeah, he's starting to take an interest now. Oh, wow, so yeah. um, uh, I've taken him into meetings with me. So I'll try and show him how stuff works but I've waited until probably in the within the last year so he's got a bit more yeah. understanding but yeah he's showing an interest I'm showing him how social media works and 
uh, hopefully this summer holidays you'll spend a bit more time. That's it's, it's great. I mean, it's important because I think like that's the age where you kind of start thinking about you know your career and your, your future. Yeah. I mean, and for you, and for you personally, the future for evolving yourself, like what does that look like? And if I told you, like, you know, in five ten years you could have whatever you wanted, and it would look like look like X. What would X look like? In five to ten years, this business is probably going to change a lot because ice engine production is going to finish. Most of our products are based around combustion engine. Mm. We would have to switch the new products to more aesthetic parts uh, like body kits for, yeah. for EVs and things like that. Obviously, you still be able to sell handling products like suspension, wheels. So there would be a shift from more of the performance side to more aesthetic side because we've got brand name so we can still use it um also i see for evolve the future being looking after the older cars a little bit more and we're starting yeah. to do that now so we're very well known for the e92 m3 we know that car inside out we really like it everyone it's probably everyone's favorite m3 that works here as well and we're starting to develop a range of products for those that not only like not just performance parts but maintenance related parts where over time, it's been proven that certain factory items on those cars were just, they were, they were fine for five, 10 years, yeah. but, but they have start having problems when they start breaking down, depending on what material they're made out of. So that's not a slight against BMW, but they, they only make the parts to last. Yeah. So Apple making five, a phone, six, and they yeah, expect you, if you use a phone for three years, you probably only expect a car to be used for five years. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're getting more into that. So I can see us doing more of, like you have companies doing that now for Porsche 964s. Mm. We're going to be doing that for BMW M3s. Yeah. yeah, or looking after all the models because that that business will always be there. And we found as these cars are getting older and people are starting to cover them a little bit more because they know they're never going to happen again. Yeah, they're willing to spend good money on maintaining them and making them the best that they can. So I can see like a restoration type business developing. Yeah. Is there anything you like? You, I mean, obviously moving with the times. So, I mean, what's your opinion? I mean, I'm starting to ask like, what AI like for you. What does AI look like for the automotive aftermarket industry as well? Um, for what we do, AI can never replace physically working on cars. They can help, assist, maybe replace sales staff, like chatbots, yeah. uh, writing out marketing material, doing strategies, things like that. But for me as a business, that would be a compliment. I would use those tools to help me hmm. do, do what we need to do rather than be wary of them. But... The physical side of what we actually do, it can't replace that. So we're not in an industry where it can fully replace everything. Yes, it can replace part of it, but then we can just leverage that yeah. to help us. I mean, where would you see it being used in Evolve and your other companies? Like, is it design? I guess it's, like I said, sales, marketing. Possibly design, definitely sales, sales and marketing, because you could probably get to a point where you automate your emails and the AI just answers them yeah. for you. I said something quite funny. I think it was um, General Rory Sutherland. Um, he's a big marketing guru, anyway. But he said something quite funny. Was we're going to start having to write letters with profanity in it, so we know it's people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just like you're going to have to start swearing in letters to, just so you know that it's a human yeah. that's sending it, not an AI. But yeah, but I can tell. I can. I, I've seen some emails come in from people, and I can tell that they've used Chat DTP to write. Yeah. It's fine. Saves people time, but it gets a point across. Then I don't really have an issue with that. I mean, I mean, I want to use it to write blogs and stuff as yeah, well that's because I mean. it's a lot easier to you know give the reference material. Yeah, tell them you know, this is how I write, and just let it go. Yeah, it saves you so much time. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean. You, at the moment, you can just leverage it and use it in our industry itself. Yes, it will take take over some of the parts, but it can't take over 
everything and you yeah. just have to do the other part of it really well or better than everyone else yeah and so when you look at you know, you've not just evolved maybe that the, the group of companies that you have like obviously you've had it you found a co-founder and i want to talk more about this is like how crucial was that for you to, like, to co-found a business and not do it by just but do it by yourself co-founding works really well when both of you have complementing skills um that the other one doesn't really have so for evolve i did co-found that but myself and my business partner fell out like probably five years into the business because we had different ideas about where we were going to go and then i was able to buy his share out mm. and then i was able to set the direction and do everything that i wanted to do even chewy uh was co-founded with bilal who is actually the designer yeah. of the product so that works really well because he's the designer he creates the products i'm able to then test and verify the products because of my background in tuning and then i'm able to sales provide the sales and marketing function yeah. for that because that's always been my background and by the time we started even chewy i already had a lot of routes to market so our first u.s distributor i already had a relationship with them so it was easy easier to feed the product in it being new because most people would be like okay you've only been around for two months it's like why should i sell your product yeah yeah that's no, just interesting because i'm thinking of again people listening to this going like okay i want to start a business but i don't know what skills i'm good at how would you recommend they find like, what they're good at? The only way you find out if you're good at things is try lots of different things, see what fits, see what feels natural to you, and you you'll know yourself if you're good at something or not. Yeah. If, um, you, if you don't, if you can't decide, just ask somebody for feedback. <laughs> I mean, are you are you good at taking feedback? Is that something you like? You know, like I I like taking feedback because I would like to know where I'm going wrong to improve, but I'm also very self aware, so I would review myself. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't have somebody who reviews me, if that makes sense, but I will have a look and say, okay, is there anything I can do, do better? Yeah. I mean, is there anything important we haven't talked about that you, you reckon it should be should be spoken about, just in the whole like, automotive space? And, and Automotive space, I think we talked about, like, you talked about AI coming in. We haven't really talked about EV stuff. I've touched on it. Mm. Um, that's obviously going to change the industry a lot. But with me, as much as I can say, I love ICE cars and EV cars bad or you know have some negative impact i can see where they fit in but if you don't have the ability to change the rules you can only work around them so instead of complaining yeah. you just have to think okay well, well this is coming what can i do and it comes back to the whole solutions versus problems things i'm not the sort of person that sits there just complaining about stuff yeah, it's look it's just looking at the market isn't it just, just looking at it okay this is coming i can't do anything about it what, yeah. what, what can i do what can you do? Yeah, what can you do? Yeah. No, but for instance, what, what can you about EVs? Again, you said, you mentioned that you... Yeah, the, you move, you, car you, stuff shift, and... you shift the business. It's just like during the pandemic when we couldn't have cars coming in. And we're like, okay, what can we do? We can switch to mail order. We can switch to remote tuning cars. And that's mm. we switched everything. We put all the bias on um, mail order and, and remote tuning. And I, I've diverted all of our marketing funds to Google AdWords and things that would drive business to the to the website. Yeah, just just advice. Yeah, it's just looking at looking at what's going on. If you don't have the ability to change what's going on, you do have the ability to adapt what you do and what your business does to those new yeah. circumstances. And if if you truly look at it and you can't, then it's time to start another business <laughs> or do something else. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's cutting losses, not not knowing yeah. when to you know probably it's too far. Or... Yeah, correct. But if you've had the skill set to be able to start a business from nothing 
you can do that again. You just have to think about what else can I do that for? Mm. And by that time, you should have a network you can leverage. You can have other people that you can go into business with. There's, you know, the op- there's lots of opportunities out there if you keep your eyes open. Yeah. And go back to the, the classic car things. I think it's interesting you mentioned the whole 964. Because that's, that's there are people put, you know putting new head units into those cars. Is that, I mean is what I mean if you can tell me what is the stuff that you are working on or you know, is it just interior is it exterior is it? So that part of the business I was literally just talking about actually maintaining them to a really good standard and mm. improving certain aspects of them to become modernized. Obviously, that like Android and CarPlay units are a fairly easy thing to implement into those cars. Uh, that's one part of the business which I think will be going for a long time. But the other thing is also uh, we're working on a resto mod project at the moment, which will be launched later this year. Yeah. And that's equivalent of people like Singer, um, Gunther Works, but we're doing it on a BMW platform, which I don't think anyone's really done properly yet. Yeah. And as I guess that's the same thing about taking, you know, taking the things that people like about the, the car, which happens to be an M3 and then going, what what can we change? What was what was lacking? Yeah. Like if they were, if they were able to build that car now, you know, what? could you do so for me it's about distilling what i feel the nature of empower is and putting it all into one car mm. and what is that for you like the nature of empower like what is what is what are the things you like about what m division it's do? normally aspirated high revving high power rear wheel drive limited traction control uh just that feeling of balance and playfulness mm. so m and i kind of make this comparison with poor porsches are so good at what they do yeah that i think they border on a bit boring sometimes yeah no, i agree i can't like with with a, a bmw because of the weight distribution the rear wheel drive you can really easily get like the tail end out you can you know you can slide them around and that's fun it's not the fastest way around the track but it's it's the it's funnest fun. way <laughs> it's the funnest way if you take equivalent like if we compare a boxster against an m2 the boxster it's a fantastic car drives amazingly well but you can't slide it around like you can an m2 maybe i'm too much of a hooligan but i think it's that that nature the playfulness that i think porsches are missing don't get me wrong we have porsches in our collection as well but yeah. this m cars just have that fun pliable na- nature for me yeah and this is just a question that i, I, I like to sort of before, before we end the podcast is that if you look back at you know the advice that you'd give not the advice that you give an 18 year old imran but you know if you, I guess, 50-year-old, 60-year-old Imran, what do you think he would be doing now or would you think he'd look back and say, oh, that was a good idea? I'm, was... I'm 50 in four years, by the way. 50 in four years. <laughs> yeah. <But> yeah. <laughs> you don't look it. I don't, I don't think I would, yeah, no. Um, so what, giving advice to 18-year-old myself? Yeah, uh, yeah, but I mean, what would you say, like, looking back, if you get to... Or if you get if to I get 60. to 60. No, that's not what I'm <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You don't uh, know yeah, what could If you get to 60, like, yeah. what would you go back and wait? That was a good idea. That wasn't a good idea. Like, the stuff that you, you, you're happiest with and the stuff that maybe you would have changed if you could have. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't really change anything because everything I've done, good, bad, has led me to exactly where I need to be. Yeah. Fair ground. If, 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 yeah. yeah. if it's not a blessing, it's a lesson, right? So whatever bad has happened, whatever mistakes I've made, I've learned from them. And they've made me the person I am today and then given me the mindset that I have now. So I would take it exactly the same way again. Yeah, perfect. Uh, and we are getting to the point where there's the five questions at the end of the podcast. I mean, you've probably been asked this a million times, but again, uh, what is the ultimate three car garage? Um, that's really difficult. <laughs> Only three cars. I would have to have 
personally, I'd have to have one M3 in there. For me, the ultimate M3 at the moment is the E46 M3 CSL. Mm. I'd have to have a V10 in there, so probably an LFA, because I really like LFAs, so something a bit different. I'm missing a convertible, so I'd probably want a convertible of some kind. Probably go for like a Pagani Roadster or something like that. Just like hypercar. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> built for what they built for, isn't it? It's just yeah. the, the pure essence of yeah. And I think that car is like pure artwork, especially the engine as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But just the body. You go get that and expose carbon, and you just look at it, and it just looks like a moving piece of piece of art. And yeah. LFA, I think, has got the best sounding engine like ever made. Yeah, you've you gone for one of the best. You know, one of the best. The, the cars that I guess that, that define the best they are, you know, the best V10, I mean, yep. yeah, in, and then you've got the, the V12 aspect, yeah. But also, you've got an M3, which is definitively the best sports car on the road, yeah. It's just nice, sort of, yeah. I mean, it's very difficult. I could probably come yeah. up with different combinations, but on the spot, that's what I'll say. I think it depends, <laughs> it depends on your mood, isn't it? It's one of those yeah. questions where you can be in a really bad mood, or you can think of as cars that would, you know, get you out of a bad mood, or you yeah, can be in a great yeah. mood. Yeah. What can make that mood even better, yeah. I think that's the great thing about cars, though, isn't it? The way it can change your mood, yeah, correct. Yeah. And the next question is: You are um, you one car to drive on any road or track, but you can own it once. Where would you go, and what would you take? Mm. Um, one car, one track. Yeah, one car. Or, yeah, one car, one track. Or you, you can only do it once. You can do it once. You get one lap. I'd have to like experience a f- proper Formula One car, and probably do it. Uh, where would I drive that? I'd have to like try Monaco or something. It's iconic. Guess you'd be the only person, only any person to shut down Monaco for, yeah, one, yeah. for one day. <laughs> exactly. Just driving your F1 car around. But yeah. Um, next question is: If money was no object, it wasn't a construct to be able to live by, what would you do? I think I'd be doing what I'm doing now, playing around with cars. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great that's, that's the thing that's, again the whole reason I started the podcast was to show people what's possible yeah. with, with the passion for cars and if you're doing exactly what you should be doing what in your mind you should be yeah, doing yeah don't get me wrong I don't get to do that all the time but it makes up a huge proportion of my of my time I get to build cars that kids build in Need for Speed but I do it in, in real life yeah. so like you know I, I'd be doing the same thing just more, even more not being not being worried about how I'm going to make that money back for now, but every time we do those builds, they're not just they're not just done out of passion. They are done because they market all of our products and they get yeah. attention. But yeah, I'd, I'll probably be doing pretty much what I'm doing now, but more track days. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, and, and the next question is um, again. This is the question of um, what is the advice you would give to that 18 year old Imran who has just found out that he's got 30 minutes to complete an economics paper? I'd say everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And then that's the advice. If if I was to go in time and give my younger self, self, that's the only, that's the shortest way you could actually say, don't worry about anything that's going to happen. You're going to be fine. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, if you could pick up the phone, that's what we'd say to him. But what would you like? What would you have interest? What would you say to like your mum or your dad if you the the phone was passed to them? What would you say to them about you as eight, at eighteen? At eighteen, I'll be honest with you. I never gave my parents many problems, so <laughs> they would have been fine with me. Fair enough. <laughs> Oh, cool. And the last question is, um, what do you love most about cars? I love the feeling they give when you drive them and you're like going on a windy B road and you feel what the car's doing and you kind of gel with it and it feels like 
you almost feel like you're one with the car and you're just mm-hmm. driving and nothing else matters it's you and the road yeah it's, like, it's the freedom isn't it yeah, yeah freedom no problem. Oh, everyone, thank you for the podcast again. It's a pleasure. No problem. It's an honor to have you and your time. I know, I know it means a lot to you, so thank you. Yeah, no problem at all. Cheers.